0: Coming up, I'm going to show you how to like your job when you don't love it. And then it's October, which means the Striketober trend is back and bigger than ever. We'll break it down next. Let's go. You may not love your job, but you can learn to like it. And this is important because when we hear people say, I don't love my job. And they begin to gripe and complain. And what happens is, is they lose sight of the fact that there are many times in life where you can't love your job, you won't love your job, but it shouldn't hold your progress back at all. So we're going to talk about that. How to like your job when you don't love it. Now, here's what I have found in coaching a lot of people. There are, there are two situations, two scenarios, if you will, as to why people don't love their job. And As a result, they're struggling to like it, all right? The first is they're in a job that is simply just that. It is a job that they have to do. They are paying their dues. And and by the way, this is good. This is good. This is reality. This is part of the process to working on purpose. You're doing the job because you have to. It is, in other words, checking a box. It is a rung on the ladder that you have to stand on so they're working a specific job so that they can get the job they really want and and this means to use an analogy they're on the right bus but they're not in the right seat yet and here's what makes this hard you know you have to pay your dues but it's really hard sometimes the scenario is maybe not even a healthy situation by the very nature of, it's grunt work, it's, you know, I think of television world, if you want to be a production assistant, or, uh, you know, I think of the political world, two areas that I've been in, those lower rungs, it's really, really difficult, and, and the environment's not great. But you signed up for it, and now you're in the middle of it, and you go, I knew, I know that I have to do this, I have to stick it out, but my goodness, nobody told me how awful it was. Or is. And, and that's true. And so what happens is we get really down because we start focusing on the environment of the now to the point that we forget that this is temporary and it will get better and the environment of the next is what we're all here for. Second situation that I see is people are in a job just to pay the bills. They're not paying their dues they're just there to pay the bills. Now, this is even worse. Because if you're in a tough job, an awful job, and you're only there to pay the bills, there is no, Im- there's no image, there's no vision of the next. You're not on the ladder. So these people are on the wrong bus. And you know it. You're going, I'm on the wrong bus. Could you imagine being at a bus stop and you, you get on the wrong bus, and you don't realize you're on the wrong bus until you've pulled way away, and now you're going, I'm completely going the wrong direction, and I, I I have to stay on this bus until it stops. Imagine how frustrating that is, and that's what a lot of people are dealing with. So this job can get you at least closer to another bus, Right? It'll at least get you to the next bus stop, at which point you get off. And 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 so the ladder you want to climb, uh, is is over here, over there. And so now you realize, okay, uh, I'm not on the right bus, but I do have the opportunity. So here's some good news. Both of these situations, either I'm in a job that I don't love because I'm paying my dues so that I can get to the next, or I'm in a job just to pay my bills. Here's the good news. You can change. You can change. This is a temporary situation, and you can get out of it. But now here's the bad news. You're going to have to take some very intentional steps, and you will also have to be patient. It's very hard for us humans to say, all right, I know my current situation isn't good, and I know I've got to change, and then you got to go, ugh. And part of changing is getting yourself unstuck right, moving forward, but knowing it's going to take time. I'll give you a story to illustrate this. Um, years ago, I was probably 17, and uh, I lived in the Virginia beach area, and I had this Suzuki trooper, and my dad said, this is a four-wheel drive, you could take it on the beach, but it's really important that you let enough air out of the tires, or when you get on the beach, when you get into that soft sand, the car will sink. Well, I said, okay, Dad, I got you. And I let a little bit of air out, but I was in such a hurry to just get out on the sand like a stupid 17-year-old who's immature, I didn't let enough air out. Guess what happened? Exactly what my dad said was going to happen happened, and the car essentially sunk into the sand, and in my attempt to get through it, I dug deeper. So in that moment, I now realized my dad was right. I realized, I'm stuck. Hello. And I realized, Okay. I'm going to have to do two things. Number one, we're going to have to find somebody, find some instrument to where I can let enough air out of the tires that that will allow me to float on the sand. But that's that's the first step. The second thing is, is me and my friends had to get down, and we had to, with our hands, scoop the, 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 the ditches that my tires had dug. And so we had to dig out all the sand, after we let the air out of the tires, at that point I was able to then move forward. So this is the same idea, and it's hard for us to go. Oh, I'm stuck. I know I need to get unstuck. I know what I need to do, but then you got to get down and do the hard work. And it's hard to, to be patient while moving forward. It's hard in the hot sand. I got to dig all the sand out. I got to walk. Who knows a mile? I think we walked over a mile to get somebody. And we had an air gauge and we could we could let the air out because we didn't have a little instrument. We didn't have anything. All right, so that's the idea. So here's the solution. You can learn to like the job, though, which will give you the patience to persevere because learning to like a job you don't love is all about mindset. Okay, so here's two ways that you can learn to like a job that you don't love. First is gratitude. You have to genuinely get to a place where you appreciate this job you do not love. You got no juice, no excitement for it, but you appreciate it because of the income and the stability that comes with that income. Hey, I can take care of myself. It gives me stability. Essentially, it is is a platform that will allow me to step to something else. So in this case you got to be really intentional to look for the positives. All right? Beyond the paycheck, do you like some of the people you work with? You like just one person? <laughs> have you been have you kind of been isolated? Go find somebody you like. Become a friend and they'll be your friend. Find something like that in this interim season to where beyond the paycheck and appreciation, you see you find some positives. Are there any tasks that you enjoy doing? Is there a benefit or a perk that also makes you really grateful beyond the paycheck? That's what I'm talking about. You've got to create that that focus on those positives, and it will keep you going until you can leave. Second, perspective. This is important, especially for the people who are paying the dues. This is not a paycheck job alone. It's also paying dues. And you got to have this mindset that I am doing what I have to do so that later I can do what I want to do. This is not forever. and, And you need to get to a place where you encourage yourself. You go, okay, because I'm in this position now, I am getting the experience that I need to be able to do the thing in the next season. Because of this gig right now, I am getting the qualifications, the connections to where when I sign up for something in the next, I got it. I checked the box. I'm checking the box. And by checking the box, I now can use all those boxes to step on to move to the next. It's about perspective. And this is, again, listen, if you're in a job just for a paycheck and it's not a stepping stone, well, then I've already told you what to do. We're just going to be grateful, and we start looking. But if you're in that season of paying your dues and you have to stay there to get to the next, this is huge. Gratitude, yes, for the paycheck and the platform and perspective that this is temporary. You got this. I promise you. You can like a job that you don't love. And when you learn to do that, your perseverance is going to set you up for big victories. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a 1,000 hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to The Ken Coleman Show, helping you win in your work life so that you can win in the rest of your life. If you're enjoying the program, if it's helping you, would you like the videos that you're watching on YouTube? Subscribe to our channel and share. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Okay, so uh, in in my uh, desire to keep you fine folks educated, informed, on trends in the workplace that can affect your pocketbook and your path to purpose, uh, here we go. Kind of an interesting... uh, Interesting story here. You know, int- uh, October for me is always a is always a fun month, you know? Uh I think of October um if I'm in the middle of summer, you know, like July, August, Alex, I think of October and I go, "Man, that's when I wear my sweaters. Get to wear the hoodies. A lot of football. Chili. Um when I was a kid, Halloween, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, it turns out October has got a little bit of an interesting uh, uh, history in the world of work. I didn't know this until recently. It has earned the term striketober. Striketober. In October of 2021, um, we saw a flurry of strikes by union workers across the industries here in the United States, multiple industries. But October of 2023, and folks, I mean, we're still in it. Activities even higher. Cornell University School of Industrial and Labor Relations tracker uh, has reported that so far this year, there have been 304 strikes in 499 locations in the U.S. Now, again, this is in multiple industries. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. We've seen it in... Industries like uh, hospitality, I guess that's what you would call Starbucks. Starbucks attempting to unionize last year. Uh, We've seen that uh, and continuing. Uh, I just saw today that uh, Walgreens, Walgreens is dealing with it now. Their pharmacists striking, causing all kinds of problems. I tell you what, I tell you what, Alex, you know, Right now we're in the midst of a rolling United Auto Workers strike, right? It's not it's not completely across the board, but it's it's being threatened. Like you slow down production of cars, the general public doesn't care. But if your pharmacist walks out and you can't get your meds, whoa, wait for the pitchforks. To come out. They'll be storming the castle. We Americans are some medicated people. Not trying to make light of this in any way. I'm actually saying, if you want to see some mass social chaos and disruption, walk. We'll let all the pharmacists walk out and go, we're not making any drugs today. Yikes. the largest strike of healthcare workers in the history of the United States occurred just last week with 75,000 union Kaiser Permanente employees taking to the picket lines in a three-day strike that impacted hospitals across several states again. Listen, we've already got nurses, a shortage of nurses they are overworked. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you guys have taken your families, or you—you've had to go to a walk-in clinic recently. It's—it's—it's it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The—the the wait, and so I—I uh, I had to take my son. I said, "Hey, this seems like—you know—we had to—we do do an appointment, and then the appointment was a guess. It was like an over an hour wait. Felt like an ER. And the lady behind the desk, she laughed. She said because you know, I was curious. Like I, I got my Ken Coleman hat on. I wasn't even my son's dad. I was like, "Is this a shortage?" I said, "Is this a shortage?" She goes, "Yeah, we can't get nurses in. Can't get nurses in. Wait times. Everything else backs up. Can't get physicians' assistants. Can't get doctors in. And and yet this is an industry. This this twenty four seven health clinic thing. So again, uh, these workers know this. They they realize they've got leverage now." I, I don't think it's a long-term fix. I, I've i said that. I think that unionizing ends up hurting everyone, including the union members, because it creates an us-versus-them mentality. Everything's a negotiation. Uh, they largely don't have a, a true voice. It's like they elect a leader, and then the leader comes with all these things. I mean, you got a lot of auto workers right now that are in the midst of a fight. Between the head of the United Auto Workers Union and the and the big three car companies over some very audacious demands. The word audacious, by the way, used by the head of the United Auto Workers, going, look, we're going to be audacious. Well, why? Because he told everybody that he was going to be audacious when he got elected. So now he's got to do well. So you hand over somebody your vote and then they go, We're going to be audacious. Guess what? After you voted for him, you got no say. See, that's the idea here. you got to understand that. You pass over your right to communicate with a leader. The very leverage you have as an individual is gone. You've given all leverage over to somebody else who, by the way, has a big agenda. Part of their agenda is getting reelected. So now it's like I'm with the mob. Keeping it real, folks, somebody has to say it. The other the other thing that happens is, is when, when you have these blocks of unions demanding higher wages and it's not a true supply-demand, capitalistic way of going, look, this is what the market says that we can charge for a car or for whatever. Watch what happens because some of you don't understand this. And even now you're starting to get upset at me. But let me just explain something. A healthy economy, capitalism is the, by the way, the greatest form of an economy because if left alone, I'll explain this in a minute, the left alone part, if left alone, we the people, the market, we are the market, and it sets what's going on. But then you put in government intrusion, regulations, entitlements, mandated that companies then have to spend money on, or you put in union negotiations, and the unions go. Everybody's going to now make this, and it doesn't support the market. Meaning, the market's not. That's not where it is. We are. We are. It's an artificial price increase. That price increase gets passed on to you, the customer. You want to know why we're in a stubborn inflation, folks? I'm going to tell you. There's two of the culprits right there: government regulation and intervention, and unions. It's listen. Listen, UPS just settled, and, and the cost of you ordering something now, it's, it's going to go up. Because if companies have to pay UPS more to ship it, because UPS has got to pay their workers, you go, well, that's what everybody deserves. Well, again, everybody deserves an opportunity to earn what they can earn. But the what they can earn part has to have some market Uh, fundamentals involved for a healthy, sustained economy. And if not, if everybody's like, I want this, I need this, I deserve this, we make decisions on want, need, and deserve, uh uh-oh, that's not going to end up well. Because the want, need, and deserve, folks, is driving up credit card debt to crazy levels, to personal debt, people buying homes they cannot afford. Want, need, deserve means kids get fat and unhealthy. If you just let a kid eat what they want, need, deserve, what is going to happen? They're going to be overweight diabetics. Just the facts. Want, need, deserve isn't a good recipe for a healthy economy. But we're driven right now by want, need, deserve. And so when companies can't get workers because of these demands, they have to pay them. And the crowd that loves the want, need, deserve line says... Yeah, yeah, yeah! All the while you're cheering on this this supposed win for the worker, and you're paying for it. <laughs> you're paying for it. Everybody wants, needs, and deserves a college education. Okay, let's do a student loan program that you pay for when they default. You, the taxpayer. So, Striketober. I'm telling you, folks, this is growing and growing, and growing. It's leading to a socialism and universal income uh, talking point that is going to be supported by all this. Wake up, be aware. I'm telling you, it's coming, and it's coming quicker than you realize. And you have a say, but you have a, you have a voice, and you have a vote. Use it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out. And it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Time for a coaching session. Let's go to Charlotte, North Carolina. Jessica joins us. Jessica, you're on the Ken Coleman Show.
1: Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. You
0: bet. What's going on? So,
1: I'm in a, I'm in a conundrum here. Uh-oh. Um... I was a healthcare worker um, for about 10 years and got burnt out in 2018. I was a nursing home administrator. Left the industry for about a year and got back in at the end of 2019. And we know what happened in 2020. I made it for about another year during COVID, and then I left again because it was just way too stressful. Uh So my conundrum is that for the past three years, I've been in and out of jobs. I don't stay maybe a year, maybe less, but I find myself really bored, and I find myself always thinking about going back to healthcare. care. Um, so that's where I'm at. I need some advice. I, at a weak moment, sent my resume back in. I have an interview on Monday, and I'm constantly weighing the pros and cons. Same kind of role. Um, yeah um mm-hmm. so i'd love love to hear i'm so your glad you called
0: yeah i'm so glad you called so i tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you my bumper sticker advice and then we're gonna talk through it and i want you to ask questions okay okay here's my bumper sticker advice don't go back to the thing that keeps burning you out
1: mm.
0: now that's the bumper sticker so now okay. now we go all right um what what should we be going to? But you're in this yo-yo situation where you get burned out, then you get bored. Then you jump back in, and you get burned out again. And, and it's just because you're afraid to try something else. And you're a doer. You love to make things happen. And you're sitting on the sidelines right now going, I'm losing my mind if I don't go do something productive. And then you go, but the only thing I know is nursing home administrator and i know it's going to be a five alarm fire and i'm going to get burned but good gosh it's better than being bored that's what i think is going on is it true or false (laughs) you hit the nail on the head okay so i'm your friend i'm like jessica what are we doing here let's let's figure out what you're good at what you love and results that matter to you and let's get real clear on that. I don't think it's going to be difficult. And then we go, we need a new location. I think that there's a lot of the administrator role, the leadership supervisor, probably operational type person. That's the right work. I just think it's in the wrong place. Hmm. True or false? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think that could be true.
0: I mean, here, here's where I'm going. Before we get into the talent, passion, mission, I want to run through that. But but is it the environment of that world that that is just so out of whack that 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 takes the joy out of the the stuff that you enjoy doing?
1: Well, it's like you were just talking about. You know, there's a shortage of nurses. Um, and people just don't want to work in in nursing home as much. You mm-hmm. know, because there's a lot of stereotypes. So yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of like you said, five alarm fires but I'm, I kind of thrive in that environment. I'm good at, I'm good at doing that, but it just burns me out.
0: Well, okay. Let's break that down. What, what, what are you good at doing? Take me into that. Take me into, um, you're, you're, you're good. Is it good at managing complexity? Is it good under fire? What is it?
1: I think a little bit of all of that, um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm good with people. I'm good at process. I'm good at allowing people to go through process and leading them through that. Um, I, ultimately, I left because it's hard for me to leave that alone when I go home. And so, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm obsessive about it. Um, Where does that come from? I, I just probably control and fear. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you have a lot of that growing up?
1: Um, yeah, not because of anything my parents did. I was just kind of inherent in my nature, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: So here's what we have to do. We have to find an environment where it's all about processing people, okay? And I love the combo here. That's just a beautiful leadership uh, combination where you – you inherently see when processes are broken or not efficient Mm -hmm. and you realize that there's a people quotient to that and people can figure it out if I get the right people there. So there's the process side of you, but then you love nurturing and leading and guiding people and helping, right? Yep. Okay. I think you have got to put yourself in a situation where there's less crisis, a whole lot less And you go into a place that is more aligned. Uh, Let me say this differently. I'm I'm literally real time in this. I think that you need to be in a critical thinking role, not a crisis solving role. Yeah. Is that, I was trying to grab that that a minute ago. Cause I think that plays to the process side of you and the people quotient that you love to have. But I just think that you're not healthy enough. I think you could. Let me say this, Jessica. I'm not going to say you should, but I think you could down the road get back into an environment like that, but only after you got healthy. Because I think something happens to you, and please don't take this as criticism because this is not. But I think what happens to you is you get in crisis mode and it turns you into superhero mode and you're not a superhero. You want to be. And I mm-hmm. think you, I think you fake a lot of people out, but I think it's it's it 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 has the potential to to crush you. Yeah. So, I want you in a place where there's very little crisis. In other words, if you're in a leadership role where it, uh, where some level of crisis comes up, but you look at it and compared to the crisis you've been dealing with your whole career, you go, Everybody comes in your office going, oh, Jessica, this happened. You go, uh, first of all, breathe. This is nothing. Go get yeah. yourself a bottle of water and a bag of chips and meet me back here in five minutes. I got you. It it, it almost needs to be like that to where it's not a crisis. Compared, like, there is real crisis work, and then there is leadership work that has its, uh, has its version of a crisis. And I think you need to be in a, a role where critical thinking and... And uh, people leading are are the two combos, and you're just you're just there going, hey, I'm I'm looking at this from afar. I've got all this crisis experience, but now I'm going to take all this crisis experience, and I'm going to now apply it to a role where I'm critically and strategically thinking. I think I want to mention strategic. See, critical thinking is here's what's wrong. Strategic thinking is let's get up above this and figure out who needs to go where to make that happen. I think that's your jam. Hmm. Am I right? I don't want to put this on you falsely. I don't want to hang a.
1: No, a, I mean I, I definitely
0: think that that you're you're right. And so here's the problem: you have conditioned yourself. And I would also say I think something in life previously it doesn't matter. I'm not your therapist, but I think somewhere in there you, you've gotten kind of addicted to the dopamine of being Superwoman.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Until. It's until like you save the day and then you can't turn it off. You go home and you go, oh, I should have saved this person. I should have saved this. And that's, I think that's dangerous for you. So what I'm getting at is that you got to create boundaries for the next gig. I think you need to be in leadership, but I think you need to be in an environment that has very little crisis involved. That's my, over- I want to stop for a minute because we got a few minutes. I, I want to know what you think about that, and I want you to almost ideate. What are your thoughts or questions on what I just said?
1: Um, I mean, the concept sounds really good. I have um, I tried to get in that kind of of leadership role, you know, in a healthcare situation that's not a twenty four seven because that that was really kind of my worry and my obsession is yeah. that you know when I when I left, everything was still going and felt like it was just out of control. And, um, so I have tried that in the last few years, I haven't gotten, haven't landed anything. Um, you know, I, I got in a director of ops role in higher education and I stayed there for about almost a year and it was just, there wasn't enough going on to be honest. Okay, good. Um, so, but so, see, but
0: that's all helpful, but see, you agree with me, but you doubt that it's possible. That's what I think I'm hearing.
1: I do. Uh, yeah. Why? Yeah, Why I'm, do you I'm doubt that? A hard time.
0: Well, you went from, here's the deal, you went from the fires to education, which moves like sludge. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but here's the deal. It's just a function of you going, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not confined to these two extremes that I've been in. It's somewhere in the right. middle there. I think you need to be in business. I think you need to be in business where it moves, where the pace is what you will crave, because I think that's the healthy part of you. You need a strong pace, a good, quick pace of things coming my way so that I'm I'm doing that, but not crisis. Right. And I'm telling you, those jobs are out there. You're not limited. That Charlotte, North Carolina, come on, that area? I mean, you've got a lot of experience. I think you need to be in operations and leadership and management, and I think it needs to be in the business world where things are moving at a strong pace. There's a lot of things coming your way. you got to lead a team. And we're leading them to something very specific, but but I think it needs to be uh no crisis and no health care for a while. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna send you away with this. I think that you can find it and you gotta just stay with it. You gotta have the fortitude to get after it, and I believe in you. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.